Hey, hey, family, Tim Castleman here with episode zero of the Two Drink Tim podcast. I am your host, Tim Castleman, which I just said, of course, and this is, of course, the Two Drink podcast. So now that we've repeated everything twice, let me kind of explain to you how this podcast works. If you're a brand new listener, which you are, because for the love of God, this is the very first episode. So the premise is very simple. I get borderline drunk, and then I stumble my way to the old recording device headset, and I talk about whatever the fuck I want to. So today's podcast is not sponsored by Piazzo Wine, P-A-Z-Z-O, which uh, just happened to be a half bottle of wine left over from the wife and I's fifth anniversary dinner that I decided to polish off on a Sunday night after watching Game of Thrones and attempting to catch diabetes with the Cinnabon Bites from Taco Bell. Now, the Cinnabon Bites uh, from Taco Bell are a popular stoner treat. I can tell because they're always fucking out of them every time that I go. I'm like, hey, it's like I have to call Taco Bell before before I go get them. I have to call them and be like, hey, listen, uh, I'm trying to get some liquid diarrhea for tomorrow. Um, do you have that in stock? And surprisingly, I have to go to several places usually to do that. So I have yet to polish off ye old uh, brownie uh, they call it like a brownie slice. It's basically two pieces of brownie with just pure sugar in the middle of it. Um, I don't know if my blood sugar alcohol can um, handle that, but we're going to find out. So this podcast, at least for episode zero, has zero flow or zero things on the agenda that we want to talk about. So I figure we'll talk about the boring shit right off the bat, and then we'll get into the fun and exciting stuff. So, as I've said twice before, and I'll say one more annoying time, uh, I am Tim Castle, and welcome to the Two Drink Podcast. Let me tell you a little bit about myself, so that you can get acclimated and decide if this is something you want to invest the rest of your life in, or at least the next 20 minutes in. I get started online in 2008, excuse me, late 2009, as a full-time entrepreneur, and uh, really enjoyed uh, that little process. Uh, before that, um, I went, uh, I, I, I did the gambit. I uh, joined the military in 1998, served faithfully for four and a half years. Yay me, uh, yay USA, apple pie, all that good stuff. Got out, uh, worked for every company that I could. A nonprofit, which I hated. Um, a uh, small mom and pop shop, which I got I let go at when the guy sold the company over lunch one day. And then I went to work for a big corporate company because, you know, they had benefits and 401k and retirement and stuff like that. I liked that job. It was an insurance adjusting job. I would basically go out and talk to people um, and adjust their vehicles and look at them and go, oh, yeah, you, you hit someone, you didn't hit someone, we'd write estimates and stuff like that. The thing I hated was that I could not relate to my target customer. Um, in fact, I, I speak no Spanish because my mom thought it would be a good idea when I lived in Southern California to take French because, you know, there are so many French-speaking people there. So thanks, Mom, for that. So I, I can't speak a lick of French. So my very first customer um, when I was an insurance adjuster was a guy by the name of Jesus Rodriguez uh, here in West Texas. That's a very popular name. But because I was so stupid at the time, I actually thought his name was Jesus because it was spelled like Jesus. So let me set the picture for you. Uh, very first call out, right? Got my pre my little shiny insurance suit on. Gonna call out. Gonna you know help a customer. Gonna change a life. Gonna impact a community. Whatever. So I call this guy and I'm like, hey, is Jesus there? And the guy laughs in broken English. He goes, ah, oh, Jesus, Jesus. And he can't understand English. I can't understand Spanish. So I figure, ah, fuck it. Let's have some fun. So I'm like, Jesus, I have so many questions for you now. 
I'm going to stop here to tell you this. When you begin insurance adjusting, they don't just let you go, right? They have people that mentor you and people that listen to your calls and basically help you walk you through so you don't screw things up or say something you're not supposed to. So being my first call, of course, I had my immediate supervisor, Jason. And Jason, if you have to listen to this, rock on. Uh, he, uh, he was basically mentoring me on the phone by just listening to me on the phone. So as soon as I'm like, hey, is Jesus there? Like he immediately pops his head up. Like imagine an ostrich just popping his head up. Like what the fuck? What are you saying? Obviously this guy's name is Jesus, you poor white inbred motherfucker. Right. So as a result of that, uh, I see that he's looking, but I just ignore. I ignore good, good common sense there. And I'm like, hmm, let me just keep going with this. So I'm talking to the guy. I'm like, so, yeah, Jesus, listen, I have so many questions. And again, I get the ostrich face from my boss, Jason, like, dude, what are you doing? You're you're single handedly going to bring the company down. And I'm like, Jesus, listen, I have so many questions. Like, why did you take my puppy? Because I loved him. And why did you marry, make me marry that and my ex-wife? She was such a bitch. And why and why? And about that time, my boss is making the 40-yard dash to my desk. And I can tell that my career in insurance is probably going to be short-lived. So, of course, it was. I worked there for about three years. I actually worked there for about a year and a half and coasted for the last year and a half while I made my plan to escape which included doing such fun and exciting things as in driving a Chevy Cavalier, living in a house that literally got broken into three times, and spending my nights eating a healthy choice meal. Okay, actually, two healthy choice meals, because not one of those is going to fill you up. And reading the Gary Halbert letters until I fell asleep in my own tears. One day, I got called into the boss's office, and surprise, surprise, they were not pleased with my performance. And I was not pleased with my performance, and they basically were trying to push me out the door. I called my then-fiancé, now wife. I said, hey, uh, bad news. I think one of us is going to get fired today, and I don't think it's going to be you. Uh, And as a result, I quit my job before they could fire me with this large insurance company and went out on my very own. Since then, I've grown my business, which is a one-man operation with one full-time virtual assistant, uh, into a nice, healthy six-figure business. And I know, I know there are a lot of people out there that make more money than me and you know drive fancy cars and lives and live in mansions and all that fancy bullshit and good for them i don't do any of that shit what i do is i stockpile my cash like a jew that i am okay um so i have uh, been online full-time since 2009 and i've gone through several cycles inclinations whatever fancy keyword you want to do for being an internet marketer basically i sell how to information to people that want to learn how to do stuff really i sell how-to information stuff to business opportunity people, people that were just like me, people that have a full-time job, people that are maybe looking to supplement their retirement, people that just kind of want to escape the rat race. So, of course, first question I get asked always is, well, Tim, is that possible? I mean, is it really possible? And I understand being skeptical because I was skeptical as fuck when I got started. In fact, uh, my friend, Kyle Tully, uh, is actually responsible um, for getting me out of the rat race. He sent me an email one time about a product creation course from the talented Jason Flatland and said, hey, yeah, you know, uh, you should buy this course. And I was like, eh, dude, listen, I think it's kind of scammy. I don't really think you can make six figures. So I basically yelled at him um, for like two weeks. and was like, come on, you're full of shit, you're full of shit. And he's like, no, man, really, you can make six figures doing this. At the time, I thought he was full of shit. I've come to find out that he's probably one of the smartest people I know because it is in fact, uh, it is in fact true. So, 
Let me pause here for a little drinky drink. It's no fun if we don't drink on the Two Drink Podcast, right? So as a result of that, I learned product creation, and I went through several inclinations of different products, you know, PDFs, videos, all that great stuff. So that's all boring shit gets you up to date. Today, 2014, uh, I work uh, for myself. I work out of my home here in the beautiful state of Texas, in the not-so-beautiful city of Lubbock, Texas. Uh, By myself, I do have one virtual assistant who lives in Florida. And then I also have another virtual assistant that works out in California. Both of them work for me part-time. That's as far as we've gotten with the plan of attack or attention. So a lot of people probably, I'm guessing, are going to wonder, well, Tim, how did you do it? How did you make the big escape? Because everybody dreams about doing it, and not a lot of people get to do it. So the first thing I'm going to admit up front is I would not have done it if I had not been pushed to it. Meaning, had I not been you know, practically pushed out the door, I probably would still be miserable, still sucking corporate dick at uh, the insurance company that I work for. Um, I had made a plan. I had saved a bunch of money. I had a lot of goals and intentions. But it's really scary to leave something that's secure, even when it's shitty. It's kind of like an abusive relationship. It's like, yeah, I know I'm going to get my ass beat, but... I know I'm going to get my ass beat. So I don't know what's not going to happen, but I do know what is going to happen, and I can at least manage it. And I know that for a fact because there were a lot of guys that I talked to when I made the switch that said, hey, listen, Tim, you know, I want to quit Progressive too. Oops, said the company. Oh, well, uh, maybe I'll bleep that out. Probably won't. You know, I, I want to quit insurance company A as well, and I got this plan, and I want to do this, and I want to do that. And sadly, those guys are still there to this very day. So what makes me different than them? Well, one, I was kind of shown the door, uh, so that helps. But two, I had always decided that I I didn't really like that job, and I didn't really want to do that job, and I really wanted to leave it as quickly as possible. So the first thing I would tell you is you got to commit to quit, which I know sounds funny because it's like, oh, you got to commit to quit. Like, what what are you talking about? Um, But really, you do have to commit to quit, and that's what I did. I actually wrote down on a calendar my quit date. And it's funny because I was dating my now wife at the time and people would hit me up and go, oh, dude, is that when the wedding is? And I was like, no, that's when I'm quitting the company. And we'd have a big laugh and they'd think I was joking and then I'd just look at them seriously and they'd be like, oh, uh, uh, oh, okay. So I made a commitment to quit and here's the thing. You can't be so hard and fast in that that you're not willing to be flexible because I had to change my date probably two or three times before I quit, Okay. Um, so that's the first thing. You got to at least set a date because you got to have a deadline because tomorrow is never going to come and someday will definitely never come, right? Tomorrow will come tomorrow, but someday will possibly never come. So that's the first thing I did. The second thing I did, and I feel like I'm talking really fast. And it's definitely not the alcohol. It's probably the crack cocaine. That's probably, you know, if you mix uppers and downers, I, I don't know what you get there. Ah, there you go. So the second thing I did was I said, okay, I'm going to quit. What am I going to do? So I made a plan and I actually started a business on the side. And of all things, it was a stage hypnosis business, which is kind of funny um, because I don't do it now, but I did do it then. Um, And I would actually travel around to all the high schools in Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, New Mexico, and I'd hypnotize the children. Yes, they actually let me around children. But the cool thing about doing that was it taught me marketing and sales on the phone in a low-risk environment. So I'd send out, I don't know, 1,800, 2,000 postcards at a whack, 
but every other week I'd get calls in. I'd have to field them on the phone. I'd have to sell them over the phone. I'd have to send them an information pack. I'd have to do X, Y, or Z. But it got me really comfortable selling my services right off the bat. And here's the other thing. I was getting paid um, at the beginning about $850 a show all the way up to about $1,500 a show when I gave it up. And that's probably on the cheap side, just to be honest with you. So by doing that, I got comfortable with sales, I got comfortable with marketing, and all that money that I made, I started putting on my debt. Now, I wish I could say that I did that at the beginning. I did not. I screwed up like a lot of people. I used a credit card for my very first business ventures, right? And I bought my stage sound, I bought my mics, and I bought all this other crap. The one thing I did was I basically built a business with zero customers first. So what I would recommend to you if you're listening to this, okay, is that you start with your customers first and then use the money that you make to buy all the fancy toys and gadgets and so on. For instance, like my, my sound system and my mic, I could have rented for probably 150 bucks a week instead of spending $3,000 up front. So because I screwed that up, once I started making money, I had to pay off that debt pretty damn quickly. Okay, or PDQ. Um, so pretty damn quickly, PDQ, yep, it checks. Okay. Um, so I did that. And then once I paid off my debt, then I started paying off uh, business debt. I started paying off my personal debt. I paid off my piece of shit car. I had like a 1999 Chevy Cavalier, which was amazing. And I missed that car uh, every single day, right? Claw seats, manual windows, you know, big baller. It's a bitch getter. I mean, it was a panty dropper. When you rolled that thing into the hood, people thought, there's a guy with a 520 credit score right there, mm, making me all moist, right? Uh, by the way, yeah, this podcast isn't going to get any better with language. So if you're having a problem with the dirty words, you probably should go fuck yourself and get off this, right? Um, so I started paying off my debt. And then once I got my debt paid off, then I started stockpiling cash like the Jew that I am. And basically my goal was to save about three to six months of income prior to quitting my job. I had had about, I can't remember if it was 10 or 15, might even been 25 Gs uh, saved up. I'm going to say it was 15 grand. And if you want to learn how to do financial management, I'm not the guy. Go to Dave Ramsey, buy his Total Money Makeover book. That book changed my life. It, you know, it sucks because you've got to sacrifice and you got to give up. Like when my friends were going to, to Rose Bowls and my friends were going to bowl games for college, I was staying at home with my Chevy Cavalier and my Healthy Choice Meals. But I work for myself now. They still work for the man. So they won at the beginning. I won at the end. That's how I look at it. Okay. So I started stockpiling my cash, started saving that up, had my three to six month emergency fund, and I was still working for the man. I was still busy. And I would be at work and I'd be getting calls for show after show after show. And even my boss in one of my performance evaluations, she's like, you're so busy doing everything else besides your job which was absolutely true because I was a horrible employee, all right? I had hated every job that I would ever had. I hated every boss that I ever had, not because they were idiots, but because I thought I could do it better. I mean, what boss would tell me, hey, Tim, you know what? I think it's a good idea. Why don't you polish off half a bottle of wine, jump on the old interwebs, and do a podcast for everybody to listen to? Nobody. That's why I'm my own boss. Okay. And I'm back. So, had my money right, had my business right, had everything right, and then decided, or the company decided, hey, it was time to go. So, you know, this is the part where I tell you about, oh, everything was great, life was perfect and awesome and wonderful, and I made my millions. But that's actually not true. 
You see, even though I quit the job, I was horribly depressed uh, for probably about three months afterwards. In fact, I'd have nightmares about my old boss. And, you know, here's the thing. You know, especially in Western society, our business and our jobs are everything. So because I quit my job to basically avoid getting fired, I kept thinking like, man, I'm just not a man. I can't take care of my family. I can't, you know, do the stuff I need to do, and I'm a horrible person. Um, So that really fucked with me for about 90 days. And then, um, you know, I'd I'd work a couple hours a week, make a few phone calls. I mean, the four-hour lifestyle, the four-hour work week, I was doing that, not intentionally, because that was before his book came out. It was just, uh, that's all I really wanted to work. Um, So I started doing that and started doing the hypnosis thing. And the hypnosis thing was great, but I started noticing that I was on the road a ton. And I had this really cool chick back home that's now my wife that I didn't really want to be away for forever. The other thing I did, which is critical, was since I was an insurance adjuster, I signed up to do what's called catastrophe insurance adjusting. So basically that means, you know, some some town in Podunk, Indiana gets hit with a hailstorm. They call me. I drive my Chevy Cavalier 16 hours in a single day, which I've done, up there to look at cars and get them all taken care of and all that stuff. So there's a lesson there um, that even Drunk Tim realizes, and that is don't, you know, just don't totally say I'm never going to do XYZ again because truthfully for the first year or two that was my safety net I had that there in case I needed it and for the for the first summer I did I needed it multiple times um, as far as to give me a nice income boost and you know to, to spend some time on the road and do all some some fun stuff there so I slowly over probably the next 12 months made my total separation to where I decided you know what I'm not going to renew my insurance license it's kind of sink or swim um, time. When I was doing that, I had the stage hypnosis business still. And, uh, you know, like I said, it was okay, but I was tra- I was traveling a lot. I was having to drive a lot to save money. You know, I was sleeping in my car. Uh, sometimes, I dr- you know, if I had to drive, for instance, I had to drive one time to New Mexico. It's like a 16-hour drive. So I just drove 12 hours, spent the night in my car, oh so comfy, uh, and then got up the next day and drove in. And I was okay at it, but I wasn't great at it. And really, I I didn't believe in it. That's the best way I can describe it. I just, you know, it was cool. I was hypnotizing people. I saw the effects. I was having a good time. It was a great way to make a living. But I just didn't love it. And I just, you know, I just just was kind of bored with it. So I decided to start looking at some more of this marketing and sales stuff. And by doing that, I saw, hey, you know what? The stuff I'm doing in my hypnosis business, maybe other small business owners like me, would like to take a look at that and see kind of what I'm doing. So I published my very first product, right? Um, I, I published my very first product, and it was a, a product on how to do postcard marketing because that's what I was doing at the time. And it turned out to be extremely uh, successful. In fact, it still sells to this day, uh, and it's still relevant to this day. But I learned a very simple business model, and it's a business model that anyone can do, but so few people do it because it takes a little bit of time and effort. And that business model is very simply learn, do, teach. Pause for dramatic effect and drink of wine. That's a writer downer. Learn, do, teach. See, I had learned this skill from somebody else, Jeff Ronning, by the way, if you want to know. I did it myself, and I tweaked it, 
and then I taught people what I did complete with the tweaks. Now, it's not revolutionary, it's not mind-blowing, but here's the thing you need to understand. So many people learn stuff, right? 100%, say 100% of people learn how to do it. Okay, that's actually false because probably 50% of the people that buy the damn thing even take the shrink wrap off it to read it. And I'm just as guilty, by the way. I'm not preaching from some ivory tower. I bought a program one time from Jeff, a $1,500 program, by the way. Had it overnighted to me so that it could sit on my shelf for the next two years or next year and do nothing with it. So, again, I'm not preaching from an ivory tower. I'm preaching from the voice of experience. So people, a uh, certain percentage of people learn it, like they actually do it, right? Um, or excuse me, they actually learn it, like they actually read through the stuff and go, oh, that's a really cool concept. And I was guilty of doing that with Gary Halbert letters. In fact, my now wife would always tell me, you know, I'd be like, oh, honey, I read this letter, and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And one day she stopped me and she said, Tim, all these are great ideas, but what are you actually going to do with them? Like, are you actually going to take any action or are you just going to constantly think about it? And I was like, well, fuck you, bitch. What are you talking about? And then I led with the jab to set the tone. Kidding. I'm kidding. I did not lead with the jab. You always lead with the uppercut. Rock that head back. Okay. Kidding. Kidding. Sorry. I digress. Blame it on the wine. Okay. What she did was she made a point and it's a critical point. It's like we have a million ideas. You don't need a million ideas, ladies and gentlemen. You need one idea. Okay. One idea. And that's what I did. I said, well, what am I already doing? Well, I'm doing this, this hypnosis thing with the postcards. So let me teach people what I'm already doing. And if you don't know how to do something, I'll cover this on a future podcast, I'm sure. But, you know, I've changed from being the offline guy and doing postcard marketing shit to now doing Kindle books. Well, how did I do Kindle books? Well, I learned how to put them together. I did them. And now I teach how to do that. So I'll cover that on a future podcast. But... What I want you to understand is so many people eliminate themselves by not first learning about it. Then another half to three quarters of them don't do anything with it. And then the last thing is they don't teach it to other people. And I will tell you as a teacher that I learn more about what I do by teaching it to other people just by teaching it to others than I do doing it myself. So I'm always learning about something. I'm always doing learning key takeaways. I'm always discovering something new by teaching it to somebody else in a different dynamic, in a different situation. It causes you to think. For instance, the other day I was telling one of my buddies at a cigar lounge. Yes, I do work out of a cigar lounge. Don't hate the player, hate the game. Okay, uh, but I do. And uh, I was telling about what I'm doing with Kindle Kids books. And he was like, what if I just paid you 20 G's to write like 200 books for me? And I was like, slow down. I just came in my pants. Tell me that again. Light a candle. Bring me some tissue. I didn't tell him the last part, but um, by doing that and having that conversation, it really caused me to rethink what I'm doing with my business and see a whole brand new way that I could be scaling and growing my business that I would not have thought of had I not first taught him the concept and then he improve upon it. So that's what I want you to understand. You know, it's a very simple business model. It's learn, do, teach. And the other part that's extremely simple is you don't have to wait for a huge freaking result, okay? I don't have a ton of results in Kindle. I have some successful results, but here's what I have to remember. I have more successful results than 95% of the people out there that don't do anything, okay? Because you doing one thing is better than me doing nothing. So that's the thing I definitely, definitely have to remember is the one thing that I do is better than the hundred of uh, hundreds of people that do nothing.
So Learn, Do, Teach has really been my business model. It's really allowed me to grow my company and kind of build a business that I want to build how I want to build it. I'll have to talk about that in another podcast um, and kind of talk about my philosophy and and how I've kind of come up in the game, if you will. Um, But if you're looking for a way to get into this business, what I recommend you do is you find something, whatever it is, interest, whatever interests you, and go learn how to do it. Whether you've got to pay someone, and I would recommend you pay someone for some one-on-one time, buy some courses, then go do it, and then report on your results, good and bad. I used to think people only wanted to hear the good, right? People only wanted to hear about the good things in business and life. But here's the truth. People want to know where you screw up just as much as they do when you succeed. Because if you can prevent someone from screwing up as well as helping them, grow their business, they're equally grateful for it. So just something to kind of think and consider going forward. So I guess this is where I would take a pause. I would have another drink of the old vino. And I would do some form of advertising if one day we actually have advertising on this podcast. But we don't right now. So I'll just tell you... um, that uh, email me your suggestions for the podcast. What the hell? Contact Tim Castleman at gmail.com. Again, contact Tim Castleman at gmail.com. I will not read all of them. My assistant will. And the ones that don't tell me uh, that I suck a big, fat, hairy penis will probably get forwarded on to me uh, to review. And uh, what I want you to email me about. Tell me some shit you'd like me to talk about on this podcast. I literally have nothing. I don't even have an outline for it today. I will try to write the outline before I start drinking next time because I think that will kind of benefit us. And, uh, and we'll go from there. The key I, I want to explain to people, and what I'd like you to take away from this episode zero, if you will, is one, have a date when you're going to quit. Two, stockpile cash. Cash is king. Cash is fucking power. I knew that very on, even in my military career. I actually remember consciously telling my bosses, I keep $5,000. Actually, it was like 2000 bucks. I keep like two grand in cash with me in the bank at all times. That way, they don't have control and power. You know, it's like I would love to drive a fancy SUV. I would love to live in a bigger house than this new house we have built for us. But you know what I really love is the peace of mind of knowing that if tomorrow I wanted to say deuces to everyone and anyone in my life, I could do that. I could pay off all my debt. I could pay for this cash in ha- uh, this house in cash or a cash in house, however you like to say it in your English language. Don't judge. And I could do exactly what I want and not have to be beholden to somebody else. The borrower is slave to the lender, as Dave Ramsey taught me. And when you have cash, you're the king. When you can walk in and say, yeah, I'd like to buy that house, and here's $130,000 in cash, that's king. And you can't get there overnight. It's going to take some time. You've got to change some habits. I wish there was some magic loophole that I could teach you that would be so awesome and powerful. But you know what? The shit that matters, the shit that really impacts and changes your life takes time. It's not an overnight thing. It's not a pill. It's not a potion. It's not a secret formula. It's like, hey, here's some really basic shit that's so basic that everybody overlooks it and nobody's willing to do it. How'd I get out of debt? I spent less than I made. There you go. There's the revolutionary formula free of charge. Now, it's so easy, but nobody will do it, right? Because I got to have my latte and I got to have my fancy sports car and I got to have the boat and I got to have this. I got to have that. Instead of, I got to have money so that I can just say, you know what, boss? I'm tired of sucking the old corporate dick. I'm going to stop deep-throating that, and I'm going to move on. So understand that. 
get your cash right, get your debt debt paid down, do what you need to do. That's step one. Step two is learn something. It doesn't, it can be anything you want. Okay. I had a full business set up in the offline arena. I fired all my clients. I stopped teaching it. I stopped selling the stuff. I started at zero again and I built that business back up to six figures within a year. So the system works. I could do this same system with anything that anyone would pay me money for. I guarantee you I could take this to the underwater basket uh, weaving niche if it was a profitable niche and make money with it. The system does not change. Okay, all you got to do is learn something, you got to go do it, and then you got to tell somebody. Because guess what? Somebody is going to be impressed by your ability to take action, no matter how big, no matter how small. I only make a few hundred dollars per month on Kindle. But you know what? I make 100% more than 100% of the people out there that make zero dollars on Kindle. So they want to be like me, just like I want to be like some of my friends who make five, six, seven, eight figures. Okay, I don't want to be like the ones that make five. I make six figures. But my friends who make seven and eight figures, right? We all have this thing called a ladder of ascension that we feel compelled from childbirth and from school and from the military and from whatever job. You got to climb that corporate ladder, right? So I'm dropping knowledge even with the vino in me that I hope you guys are understanding. So that's it. You know what? I think I'm going to wrap it up here. It's almost 30 minutes. I think this is a good stop. This has been episode zero of the Two Drink Tim podcast. I promise a much more structured formula in the future, possibly, unless the vino gets into me. I want your feedback. Hit me up at contacttimcastleman at gmail.com. Again, contacttimcastleman at gmail.com. And I will be doing another one of these in the near future, hopefully with your suggestions in place. Thanks for your time and attention. I wish you a happy and healthy life if this is the last time that you listen to me. Please enjoy your favorite adult beverages responsibly and if you have the chance and you want to get diabetes go to taco bell get the cinnabon little balls uh, of destiny right get yourself a little brownie lava cake like i'm about to destroy and live your life and let your freak flag fly talk to you soon be well